This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Welcome to The Final Four is Not in the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. This is Eric alongside Rod here at The Final Four is Not in the Schedule, and we are delighted to have a guest on our show, Eric Qualman. And... Um, I'll just read his bio real quick. So we had an email from Eric a couple days ago or a week ago or something like that. I can't remember. And he's a so five-time number one best-selling author, keynote speaker, performing over 55 countries and reaching uh, over 50 million people. Now, we get this sort of request all the time, Eric. You know, you know, famous authors, eh, we're not that interested, to be honest. So uh, then he's a voted number, second most likable author in the world behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. His social economics work has been on 60 Minutes to the Wall Street Journal used by the National Guard to NASA, current professor of digital leadership at Northwestern University. Again, we get these sort of emails all the time. His materials are used in over 500 universities. Uh, Animation studio works with some of the world's leading brands, including Disney, Oreo, Chase, Cartier, former sitting professor at MIT and Harvard's edX Labs. Again, we get these emails all the time. People wanting to become a show from MIT. Also the inventor of a best-selling board game called Kitty Corn. And then you mentioned that you also played basketball at Michigan State and so now we're interested, right? So you were the manager, then a walk-on, and then scholarship player in uh, Michigan State's t- team in 1992 to 94. Uh, you averaged over 75%, you were 75% from the field in your career. You, <laughs> you, <laughs> you were two for three uh, from the field and uh, uh, two for four from the line. So you were a 50% free throw shooter. And uh, you have exactly eight more career points at Michigan State than I do. So uh, thanks so much for joining us in the show. I appreciate it. No, it's great to be on. You guys do a fantastic job. So you're very easy to root for. The passion really comes through over the airwaves. So thanks for everything you do. And keeps me informed down in Austin, Texas, what's going on in the latest and greatest. And, and Rod, awesome t- job breaking down just the nuts and bolts from an X's and O's perspective. You guys, it, it, it's amazing. And congrats on the free throw shooting. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I, I'm certainly not as proficient as you are. Uh, so I guess we'll get into get into you, who you are a little bit. So I mentioned you played for Michigan State in the in the mid mid uh, mid '90s. So that was Judd Heathcote was a coach at that time, and um, Tom Izzo was assistant coach. So you start out the manager. Uh, you know how exactly was your progress from manager to make it to a scholarship player? Because that's not a, a usual route for most most players. Yeah, I mean, I played basketball in high school, and then you know people shouldn't have recruited me. And then, but I had a dream of playing college basketball, but I got to Michigan State. I go, I just let's be a part of the system. And back then they only had one manager. Now they have a ton, which is smart. You had to try out to be the manager, but I, I was the manager. Uh, so I got to see all different facets of how it worked. Um, and then fortunately I started to see it. And I go, you know, I can make it. They got 13 players. They only carried 13 at the time. And so I just, I put on 50 pounds of muscle. That's really what I was lacking. I grew two inches. 
And then I played after practice against Coach Gregory and Coach Izzo at the time. Actually, he's a quite a good player and in good shape, but I couldn't shoot inside of 10 feet against Izzo if he was guarding me because he's so much shorter. Uh, for those listeners, I'm I'm six six on a, a rainy day, six seven on a sunny day. But uh, yeah, I just kept at it, and then fortunately was able to walk on my senior year. And if we have time, I can tell you part of why I was able to walk on is because I got my teeth knocked out in practice as a manager. Let, let's go. Yeah, please go. Let's into go right that there. Story. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it's important because it's really what Izzo's built everything on, and so. I'm, I basically two or three times a year as a manager, they don't have enough players. We only carried 13. So guys are sick, guys are injured. So occasionally it happened maybe twice, maybe three times if I was lucky a year, they'd go, Qualman, we need you in as a body. And at this point in time, it was my junior year. I go, you know, I got a shot. I'm better than, I won't say who, but I'm like, I, I'm better than that guy that's the 13th guy. So maybe I can walk on next year. And so this is my moment. I literally couldn't miss. The sun was shining. Everything was going right. And then I took an elbow to my mouth and I was born with two teeth missing. So I, I had some fake teeth to space out the bottom teeth as it was. And when I got hit in the mouth, I felt teeth, but I figured they were just the fake ones. And so I put them, I wanted to keep playing. So I put them on the side of the court so the trainer couldn't see them and kept playing. And then there's a timeout 20 minutes later and there's some blood coming out at the time. And at the time, cause of the HIV part of magic and yeah, People are really, so if you saw blood, so then the trainer comes over, it's like, you're done. I'm like, and the whole way to the dentist, I go, man, what a unfortunate break that that was. I can't believe that happened to me. But then the next day, Izzo goes, Qualman, I don't know if you're the toughest guy I know or the dumbest guy I know, but somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and I thought that this awful thing had happened to me, but looking back, it actually really happened for me. Cause Izzo, you know, it's all about the grit and the grind. So the next year, when I was able to walk on, Jim didn't want me to be the walk on because they only carried one manager. So at that time, if you're the senior manager, you're kind of the chief operating, uh, chief, uh, uh, chief of operations. They've got all these people now. It's totally yeah, different. Sure. But so fortunately, Izzo just was sound on my back. He's like, nope, that's what we need. We need kind of, kind of the guy that's willing to, to <laughs> lay it out there. So as I tell all the audience, sometimes the best thing in life that can happen to you is get your teeth kicked in or knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so as you referenced, you your entire run then was while Judd was still head coach. What was your your last year was 93-94? 93-94, so we lost second right. round to Duke in the, right. the tournament. So Sean Resperts junior year. Um, what was Judd like to work slash play for? Because I've heard, and that's my era, I, I graduated in 90. So I, and I grew up in about 20 minutes south of Lansing. So Judd was the first guy I really knew as Michigan State. I don't go quite back to Gus Kanakis, but I, I know he had a reputation, I think, as being very, very demanding of the people that were working with him. Was that your experience? And, and just what was it like in that first in that manager's job? And then how did it change once you were actually a, a part of the playing group, let's say playing team, not playing group. Yeah. So the main difference between which the audience might be interested in between Judd and Izzo is so Judd kind of at the time he was a little, he was older still. He was kind of on the twilight. So he's he kind of cantankerous a little bit. Things that, yeah, he was very demanding. 
but very fair. So he, he is great. I couldn't thank him enough for everything he's done done for me. Um, the main difference is, you're right, Rod, he's very into the details. So he's more into the details of how you shoot mechanics. He's very good at teaching you how to become a better shooter. That was um, always Izzo, his rep. Yep. Yep. And Izzo's more along the lines of would get upset if you're not going all out. So that's the main difference, right? That Izzo would pull a top, a five-star player, sit him, maybe lose a game during the regular season just because it's that's not going to happen. Like he's going to put in – Tim's a good friend of mine, Bo Gracchus, He's going to pull in a Wallman. He's going to put someone in that's going to give it their all. And so that's his biggest – frustration point and is will get upset if you're more paying attention in the the scouting reports as well those are the two main things if he's that'll get upset about he doesn't he doesn't get as mad if you miss a shot if you take a bad shot he'll get mad but judd's more a tactician um on that front and that's that's probably the main difference uh between the two um Izzo, he's got this knack like appreciated everybody because 25 straight is incredible. And so when I hear people saying, oh, we, it'd be, we get rid of Izzo, I'm like, look at Villanova. They had, I think, three starters from a Final Four team last year. That's what can happen. And yep. he's a gem because he's Izzo's very, very demanding, but it's tough love because you know it's in your best interest, so you're willing to run through a wall for him. So it, it, it is just incredible. Uh, both of them. And I know Izzo has the utmost respect for Judd. Judd's got better humor. Izzo would hate to hear that, but Judd is better at, at jokes. <laughs> I can I can speak to that. I, when I was in high school, my dad was a member of the Rebounders Club. And so every year they'd have the, the carrier or the uh, Coca-Cola Classic, or whatever they were calling that holiday tournament they hosted. And you'd go and they'd have all four coaches in the tournament up on the dais. And the highlight was always Judd's stand-up routine. <laughs> um legitimately i mean comedian level funny that guy was yeah he was but when he got bad he'd be bad i remember i think it was iowa because you fly out the night after you play a lot of people don't understand that they'll be going why isn't that kid in class they don't realize that you landed at 5 a.m <laughs> yeah after a game and you got an eight o'clock class but i remember the bus driver got lost and it was a snowstorm and Eric, I know your wife went to Iowa, but it we went to the wrong airport. Oh my gosh. That's that's when Judd would just kind of lose it. I remember going to San Juan for the shootout. There's a delay in the flight to get down there. And Judd was just trying to kind of instill his will on the folks at United Airlines to get us there. They're like, that's not how it works. There's no flights going out to San Juan. So, but it, there's a lot of stories. It was it was a great, great ride. Both of them fantastic, and Izzo's got the utmost respect for Judd. I wanted to follow follow up real. I just wanted to follow up real quick on something you had mentioned, Eric, um, when you brought up Timbo Gracos and, and Colby Wallman, and that's something I, I wanted your take on it. I would imagine you'd have strong, positive feelings about it. The way that Tom Izzo has made the use of walk-ons such an integral part of his program is I think a very unique thing. You don't see it many places the way you see it at Michigan state where you mentioned Bogaracos, Colby Wallman, Mike, Mike Keebler, um, Kenny Goins, probably the best Austin Thornton. Yep. I mean, on and on, even this year with, um, uh, some preferred walk-ons, like uh, what do you, right. What do you think? What do you think about, uh, about that aspect of 
of what he does and um, and how he's utilized that over the years. I think, like you said, it's unique and it's it's wonderful because it's holding people accountable. So this is what we're gonna do, you know. You know, good players play, tough players win. And so if you're not doing it, our kind of guy, as you guys say a lot of times, is he he our kind of guy? Our kind of guy is you're going all gas, no brakes. All gas, no brakes. That's the most important thing. That's the controllables. Can you go all out? Are you willing to lay it on the line? And if you're not, then it doesn't matter how many stars are next to your name, what you're averaging, you're going to sit. And again, that takes a lot of guts because sometimes you might lose a regular season game. And people wonder why Michigan State's so good at the end of the season. That's part of the reason. You know, when you look at – well, you were there with – obviously when Izzo was there as an assistant. How would they interact with each other? Was Izzo was like good cop, bad cop? I mean, how do they sort of work together? And, and what was what was Izzo's relationship with the team? You know, as far, was he more of a confidant at that time? Since you more Because I know that's how he had some of his assistants work. Yeah, I would say there was still more hierarchical that Judd was, they work a little differently that way. Um, so yeah, but the good cop, bad cop, Izzo was definitely sometimes the bad cop. If Judd had had enough, he'd hand the whistle over to Izzo. And one of Izzo's big things is conditioning. You're not going to be beaten on conditioning. And so we just go, oh gosh, and it hit that point. Now it's three hours of just all out running. Um, another difference between the two is Judd's hard and fast on the time. So you knew that you're in practice for two hours. He had it set. He had a book that was out and we had those managers put the book out and list out. He had books going back to Magic Johnson. Irvin was sick this day and it's all written out. So he has all these books. You guys would love it if you got a hold of these books because it has all these notes. But it's up to us to put the book right at the dais, right at half court. Uh, but that's the other thing that's a little different is that if Coach Izzo got going, in practice or after practice, you could be there for hours. So we got it right. I was just going to ask you, what did you expect when Izzo took over? I mean, obviously, you know, Heathcote picks his coach, picks Izzo, mm-hmm. and the heir apparent. Yeah. What were your expectations? I mean, you obviously knew Izzo. I mean, I don't. Most people around at that time were not were unsure about him because you don't you don't really know the assistant coach real well as, as uh, basketball fans. Yeah, I mean, for those that don't know, at the time we actually were. Tr- Izzo was supposed to retire a year earlier, but there was some shenanigans with, I think it was Clarence Underwood, the assistant AD. And so so Judd stayed another year and it was a really good team. So the four years I was there, there there's seven guys that played in the NBA. And on that team, there was four on the 93-94 is Anthony Miller, Jamie Fike, Sean Respert, and Snow. So the next year, Fike, Rusper, Snow all came back. So they had a really good team. They wound up getting upset in the tournament, but they had a really good year as well. So they were loaded. And then now it's tough to recruit. So the cupboard was pretty empty when Izzo took over. Rather than taking over with that team that was senior-led guards, he kind of is left <laughs> with the cupboard bare. <laughs> so the fact he was able to pull it off in that third year was really tough for him because that was there's a lot of people – hands up in the air, upset, but you don't know, if you get left covered bare like that, that's really tricky. Uh, so to answer your question, I go, this is either gonna go really well or not so well. And I was hoping and rooting for Izzo for it to go well. I didn't know if the current players were able to take the intensity, because it was more intense in terms of demanding, in terms of that effort. Um, and obviously they're used to a different regime, but fortunately the rest is history, right? 
I'd like to say that, yeah, he's going to win 20. He's going to get in the tournament 25 straight times. Um, all I knew that he was a great guy and then a great coach and he wanted to win and he was willing to do whatever it took in terms of his effort to make it happen. Um, and we don't have to get into some of the, he'd never pay. That's what happened. It was tough. Weber was signed, sealed and delivered for us until they got paid off the fab five. That's a whole nother podcast we get into, but oh, Weber probably I'd, love, I'd love to get into that one of these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, it make a really interesting point though. And it's, I, I it, it definitely tracks. If you think about it, it took till year three and really about what a quarter, a third of the way into that year for things to fully click. They didn't really start to play great basketball until some point in December. I think the, the win at Purdue that year is generally considered to be the one where there was the launching pad. Um, but if you think about it, that's about right for the majority of the team to have become Izzo's own guys. And so he's recruiting guys and bringing guys in who are maybe better fits for his approach than some of the holdovers were as talented as some of those guys were. So it, it does make sense to me when you, when you put it into those terms. Um, I, I wanted to turn a little bit to your thoughts on a couple of individuals. Now was, what was your first year as a manager? Were you there in, for Steve Smith's season, his senior year in 1991? I was. I was there. Okay. I think I want to say we were even – UNLV was on probation, so they had us preseason number one because they are yes. on probation. They put them number two, I believe. Yep. <laughs> uh, so you were around for two easily by any, by any measure, two of the ten best players who have ever been at MSU in Steve Smith and Sean Restford. What do you remember about those two guys? Just kind of some insights, uh, experiences, impressions of them as players and people. Yeah, so Smitty, Steve Smith. So here I am, big-eyed freshman, big basketball nut, and oh my gosh, maybe the best player in the country is on our team right. that I'm now the manager for. So even though I'm only three years younger, you just it's like you're idolizing this guy. He's like a hero, right? when you come in there and he couldn't have been nicer. Like he was one of the nicest guys on the team. He didn't have to say a word to me and he couldn't have been nicer even to this day. So he's just a class act, Steve Smith. But on the court, he is a warrior and intense and he liked to trash talk a little bit. So this is a funny story. You might be aware of it, I'm not sure. But Bennett, and you'll, I'll get it wrong, you guys know this, but I think it was Wisconsin Green Bay is the name of the team. And I think it was yep. in Arizona that I think, anyways, it doesn't matter. It was the first round of the tournament. Yep. And they were giving us all we could handle. And Smitty Bennett, who's the coach at Virginia, Smitty said, hey, I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to pull up and shoot it. <laughs> Told him what he's going to do. <laughs> and then he did it, and right when he released it, he slapped on the butt and goes, have a great spring break, and then swoosh, <laughs> doom. <laughs> I had not heard that. I remember that shot because it, it was an overtime, right? Yeah, it was hairy. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah, that's wow. I didn't. I don't think I've ever heard that. He Larry birded him. That's yeah, yeah. It was great. I mean, it was what a what a what a stud. He was awesome and great, great guy. He's he's amazing. And then what about Sean? Sean's great. Super nice guy. Just unbelievable. Um, it's funny because Chris Wyshynski was actually a little harder to guard in practice because he was a little quicker with the ball. 
But Sean, you couldn't, the problem was he could use all those screens and you couldn't, and for those listeners, I mean, he averaged as a junior close to 24 points a game. Just imagine that, like Walker averages 14 points a game, Rusbert's averaging 24 points a game. If you gave him any kind of daylight, it was in. Like you were shocked if he missed any kind of shot from distance. And so, and he kind of, he was heralded, but not super heralded. So he just worked at it and worked and worked and worked and just still the best shooter outside of Curry that I've actually seen. I mean, the guy just didn't miss when, when he had the light, when it was open. So, you know, we're coming up to tournament time. You obviously were there with some NCAA tournaments. Uh, we're on the eve of the tournament here on Wednesday night. What was it like in the in the locker room and what uh, preparation and sort of how does the atmosphere change a lot for the team than it is during the regular season? I mean, imagine it does, but I mean, how so? Yeah, I mean, towards the end of the year, kind of nice because you don't run as much. Your legs are, it's crazy. You wouldn't believe by the end of the season. It'd be good from a, some analytics guy to look at like your vertical at the beginning of the year versus the end. Cause you basically all the players, my legs are dead into the season in terms of that jumping. So the coaches do everything they can to kind of start to wind down those practices. So as a, a player, you're kind of happy because the practices are a little easier. They're more walkthroughs looking at what are they going to do? What are we going to do? Um, so that that's great. And then there's obviously pretty, you've got a little bit more time for that first game to really unpack what that team's going to do. So a lot more scouting, a lot more video, a lot more walkthroughs in the hotels. But as a player, there's stuff that you might not think about as a fan that as a player, you're just like super excited to go to Florida. <laughs> so <laughs> part of where you want to be seated is like, is it a cool, is it warm? Like, is it nice to go to? And funny enough, when we played Seton Hall, then Duke, we we're down in St. Petersburg, and the hotels are assigned based on your seed. So if you're a number one seed, you get the nicest hotel in that area and down the line. We're a seven seed. Our hotel was quite nice, but we were just so happy. The winter was, the weather was terrible in Michigan. So just to be in the sun, the coach said you absolutely cannot lay out by the pool. No one's allowed to the sun's gonna drain energy. But Prilo, myself, and Wyshynski, after we beat Seton Hall, we're like, man, let's go to our parents' hotel and go to that pool. But being idiots, because sometimes you forget these are young kids, is that we got pretty sunburned. And they probably wouldn't care Qualm and Prilo if we're sunburned, but Wyshynski is a starter. So we wore undershirts at the shoot-around. I'm sure they knew. But I tell that story because then Duke showed up. Those guys had like bronze tan, like they've been laying out for hours and hours. <laughs> We're just nervous, apparently, about that. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a shift in mindset. You know it's one and done. So then you're starting really looking at matchups, not only team-wise, but from an individual perspective, that scouting gets a little more detailed uh, on the individual level. Just as a follow-up with that, you know, one of the things I think most any MSU fan is aware of is Tom Izzo's reputation just how good he is on the second game of a weekend like that, the preparation that he's been able to do in between games is generally considered to be as good as anybody in the sport. Did you see that signs of that back then during those NCAA preps you went through? Do you have any sense of yep. if they were different than what Izzo does now? Um, you know, it's interesting. He would adopted videotape very early. I call it videotape, but breaking down film very early. So as a manager, 
you'd actually trade at the time it was tapes. So people had to mail VHS yep. tapes back and forth. And so you had these relationships with all the other teams and mainly the manager would do that. And we'd have to unlock Breslin at one in the morning, get the satellite dish set up for some game in the West coast. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then they're breaking down with a machine called the Avid. So just now they have all the managers breaking down the video coordinator that breaks it down. So it's, it's much more sophisticated, but Izzo was on that early. And also, Izzo, I don't know, the guy's amazing. He doesn't sleep, especially during that time. He literally does not sleep that much. And especially during the tournament time, he just grinds through that film. So the assistants, it's it's a miracle they can, they're can they standing up by the time the game starts because they are breaking down. They're not going to lose because of under preparation. And Izzo's just amazing at playing to our strengths, but also identifying, all right, what's the game plan? And we're going to go with this uh, in different scenarios, just in case things transpire, foul trouble, what can, stuff that you can't control, but understanding, oh, this guy gets a foul trouble. What are we going to adjust? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Quick question. We have to feed our sponsors here, but you know, I assume you have a house, right? And it probably yes. rains where you are in Dawson. So, yep. of course, you need gutter work. You can't get the... <laughs> we have the brothers that just do, do gutters here in West Michigan. They do fantastic work. If you need work on your gutters, make sure you contact them all the way from in the Grand Rapids area out to Sockatuck down um, or up to Rockford out to Lowell. They can clean, repair, and replace those gutters. And they can they do great work. If you talk to Kurt Stauffer at K-U-R-T.S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. He can set you up and get you 10% off if you just tell him Final Four uh, with the email. That will be in the links below. Uh, so <clears throat> you mentioned in your email that you also had an experience with doing brackets with President Obama. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, so for the listeners out there, I've been fortunate. I've written six books now, and part of what I do is I speak on stage. And there's a big event down in Austin called South by Southwest, which I was invited to give a keynote for. And that year, Obama was opening keynote and Michelle was the closing keynote. And it just so happened I'd be in the right place at the right time. So in the back, they call them green rooms before you go on stage. So there's a lot of people back there because it's the sitting president. This is when he was the president. 
And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this looks like the way the room's starting to configure. I'm going to be able to talk to the sitting president of the United States. And most of the people that were going up to him were like, you're doing a great job, Mr. President, shaking his hand. I go, man, he, he looked kind of like he was bored. Yeah, so I'm right. trying to figure out how do I put myself in his shoes? I knew he loved basketball. He did the brackets with cats. And I think it was twice that he'd picked Michigan State. And we didn't do – I think one of them was when we lost the Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, Not that to bring was, that yeah. up again. Yeah. Yep. But So when I got up there, I go, hey, I just got the phone with Coach Izzo. He says, do not, absolutely do not pick us this year <laughs> in your bracket. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that funny, but when you're being told the same thing for two hours, somehow that breaks through. He's a big basketball guy, and he just started laughing. And I got lucky because the White House photographer took like a snapshot, like we're the best of buddies, just <laughs> yucking it up, you know, just two guys having a good time, yucking it up. But yeah, that was that was that was fun. So you never know when you start out as a manager you don't know man this is kind of a grind but you don't know that long term how those dots connect how it can help you down the line that's why i can't thank like it Izzo and heathcote enough for everything that they gave to me and just michigan state just everything that was able to to do for me and give to me that experience yeah you know i i just on that note i happen to see somebody got him to make a pick for this year's tournament and he has michigan state going to the elite eight um, oh, no. and, and, then, and then, and then losing to Duke. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Um, so you mentioned how, how grateful you are for what Michigan state as, as a university did for you. And you had told us a little bit, I'd, I'd like you to expand on it for our listeners. You're, you're doing a couple of important things for the school in the near term. So the first one I wanted to touch on was uh, tell us about what you're doing with the Broad School of, of Business Emergency Fund campaign to support MSU students as part of the Spartan Strong Initiative. I know you've got a role uh, that you're playing with that. Yeah, I mean, the, it was really it was um, flattering and I'm honored. But yeah, the dean reached out. They've got an emergency fund for the students, and she asked if I could help bring awareness to that. And so for those that are listening that want to give, it's just go to giving to not T O and that's period MSU.edu. So it's giving to T O period MSU.edu. But yeah, it's just in the time of need with the students. That's, what's great about Michigan state. It's crazy. My wife went to Miami, but she, she can't believe how many people we pass at airports and we are like, go green, go white. <laughs> and just how instantly everyone's really nice to each other that are in the Spartan community, you know, Spartans will and Spartan strong. And so, and then they've tapped me, I'm going to be give the commencement address uh, in May. So that'll be emotional. It always is commencement address, but obviously with this year, even more so. Yeah. And so, yeah, just trying to uplift the community. It's been, it's been a challenging year, but that's what we do is Spartans will. And, and so, yeah, thanks for letting me uh, bring that up. It's great. That, that was the second thing I was going to ask you about was the commencement address. So, Obviously, it's still a couple months down the line, but uh, you mentioned, as we're all aware, it's going to be a very, uh, a very different kind of uh, atmosphere this year, for sure. Um, something unlike I think any of us have seen. Uh, have you thought much yet about the details of the message you're planning on delivering? I have, you know, you start having selective attention and start figuring out stories, how to tell stories and to the to the graduates. And also, 
to just make sure it's uplifting that they walk out of there and just are, you know, this is part of our time, but you know, the best way we can honor those students is to do the best that we can and kind of get out there in the world as, as a lot of Spartan graduates have done and even more so just kind of make the world a better place. And so it'll be tricky because I get emotional. And so I definitely got to design it so that I can stay present and deliver uh, what's needed for those graduates and make sure that they honor those folks and, and students and their, their peers and just go out there and do what Spartans have always done. You know, I like I also mentioned, you know, Nudge Printing is another one of our sponsors. And I don't know if you know Gabe and Brittany um, from Nudge Printing, but they obviously they've been part of the Spartan Strongest uh, where they're printing uh, the, the shirts, I think over 15,000 when I last talked to him. Uh, you can get all that stuff at nudgeprinting.com and uh, they'll take care of you. Obviously, MSU alums, they're all Michigan produced in Portland, Michigan, uh, high quality products. And you say Final Four, you get 20% off your purchase. Uh, so I'd encourage you to, to support them and then they in turn can support the university. So um, really appreciate that effort by you. Uh, do you have any other any other anecdotes about you? Should, I imagine, you know, other you know, some of the players in the team, you probably you're probably in contact with with Izzo. He seems to know everybody and stay in contact with all his former players. Anything would you go back to like the reunion days and you meet up with your former teammates and and meet the new ones? I do. I mean, it's a unique thing that Izzo's built. This is great. It's the most fun he ever has is when he has those reunion games. He has one for football, and that's when a lot of the NBA guys can come back. Right. And then you have one during the season. This year is the Michigan game at home. And so, yeah, as much as I can, I try to get back. And, and now that Izzo is just like, I don't care. I'm just hard blocking that out because, I mean, the guy's a national treasure. How many more? Hopefully a lot more. But I want to make sure that happens and get back. So that's another unique thing behind the scenes that most of you probably don't know. And he's built this entire family of players. I think the thing that really shows that how tight a family is, there's people that transferred out long before it's easy to transfer out. That When they come back, they don't come back to the school they transferred to. They come back to Michigan State, Yeah, which that's a credit to Coach Izzo and the staff and everyone behind the scenes. and. A lot of the staff have been there for years. So that's another credit to just Coach Izzo and how he, how he treats people because um, they're there 30 years. You know, some of these folks that are there, like Dave Pruder at the end of the bench, you'll see him going nuts. And uh, that's a credit to Izzo. Uh, fun story, real quick. You know Izzo's super animated. We beat in Seton Hall in the first round of the, my senior year. And he comes running in the locker room. He's like, Respert, you're amazing tonight. That helped us win the game. Snow, your defense really helped us win the game. And they jumped in front of my locker and he looked and paused because I hadn't played. He goes, Quammen, you didn't play tonight. That probably helped us out the most. <laughs> yeah, in, in the very much in the Judd tradition. Um, <laughs> so I guess I guess before before we go, obviously we all know we got a game coming up Friday afternoon. Um, what's your what's your impression? of this team, where they are, and, and maybe what you think they can do over the next week and hopefully longer. Yeah, you know, and I've got a question for, for you, Rod, as well, if you don't okay. mind, just sure. on where you'd rank Hogard, just on, but I'll answer that question, I'll ask the Hogard question, but 
No, I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised with this team. They can be maddening at times, but they've raised the ceiling at the beginning of the year. Like, I hope we can make the tournament. And all of a sudden we saw that their ceiling was much higher than anyone anticipated, at least I'd, for me. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, their ceiling's higher than I thought. And so they've got these trio of guards. And you guys know, you asked me what's different in the tournament. The other teams don't scout as well as the Big yeah. Ten schools. So when you get in there, don't be surprised if a Jackson Kohler all of a sudden gets eight quick points because they have no idea these moves that that kid might have. But there could be a breakout. Hopefully, you know, Brooks gets hot. He could come in. The film, they're just not going to be as prepared. And we might start running. He might have not been running early in the season because we want to limit turnovers or because we didn't have a deep bench for because of the injuries. And so a lot of times there's adjustments that's like this is the last, could be the last game. So we can run a little bit more and they might not be used to after a made shot us being able to do what we used to call the blitz yep. and so teams aren't used to how quick that can get up the floor and we practice that every day and so they're just not used to how fast that can be and but it's going to come down to hogard it's just going to come down to if, if he plays well then i think look out look look out and hopefully we continue to to shoot well and rod breaks this down better than i do but just USC, they don't statistically cover the three as well. So hopefully we can be hot from from there. But my question to you is if you had you have Lucas, Valentine, Hogard, Neitzel, and Appling, how would you rank those five? <laughs> okay. That's a tough question. Okay. Uh, for what I want out of a point guard, Denzel is the top guy because he's the best. Let me make sure I got the group, right? You yep. said Kalen Lucas, Drew Knightsville, Denzel, Hogard, and Keith Appling, right? Those yep, are the yep. five. Denzel's my number one, because first and foremost, I want a guy who makes other people better. And he was the best of that group at that. And yet, as we saw later in his career, he was also capable of being an incredible scorer himself. The only ding on him would be the defensive end, but I think by the time he was a senior, he got to be functional, <laughs> you know? Um, so he's my easy number one. I'd probably put Kalen number two because even though he wasn't the creator Denzel was, he was such a weapon offensively. Mm -hmm. And I know analytics obsessives will deny that there's such a thing as clutch, but I saw Kalen Lucas close out enough games over his MSU career, making big shots at the end that I think that's false. I think there is such a thing, at least an ability to stay calm in those moments. And he had it. Yeah. So, you know, and then you got to remember too, his career is kind of dinged a little bit because that senior year, he wasn't fully himself because of the injury. I mean, Kalen Lucas winning big 10 player of the year as a sophomore, look it up. Not a lot of sophomores do that. And he did yeah. it. He was, um, he was dynamite. He'd get in the lane anytime he wanted before that yep. injury. So it's best, too bad. Best penetrator MSU's ever had. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, I loved Keith Appling in high school. I thought he was incredible. I saw a lot of him. Um, his MSU career, I think, was good, but it was also kind of star-crossed because he, too, had injury problems at some 
very inopportune moments. I'd probably go with Neitzel third because, boy, did it, how many guys improved more over the course of four years as he did? You remember when when he came back for his junior year and they'd lost all those guys, Ager, Brown, Paul Davis, all those guys were gone. And people were thinking, like you were talking about, people were thinking, is this year the streak ends? And they got to the tournament basically because Drew Neitzel refused to let them miss it. Will them, yeah. Yeah. His junior year, he was just incredible. Just the, the, it it wasn't quite Scott Skiles level, but that's about as close as I think anybody's gotten since to that kind of season where he just put him on his back and said, I'm dragging us over the line. You know, like I said, Keith, I, I think Keith had a, had a good career. It could have and maybe should have been better. And then AJ's still writing his story. I mean, AJ yep. could jump some of those guys, but I'm, I find myself frustrated, not as frustrated as Tom Izzo is, but I find myself frustrated because he has clearly demonstrated, especially this year, when he's right, he's really, really good yep. at the things that you need a point guard to be good at, right? But yeah he gets, he gets off the page like he did against Ohio state in the big 10 tournament and the team suffers. I was, I was making this point somewhere a day or two ago. I think what's on his shoulders is even greater than a lot of these guys had to deal with. Because if you look at this team, usually Michigan state can score a lot of different ways, right? You talked about transition. That's always there. Offensive rebounding, you know, second chance points, always there. Usually you got a low post player that can score with some regularity. None of those things are there with the team. The only way they really score is via the jump shot. And so so half-court offense. And that, to me, means it's so much of this is AJ. Because he's not right, they're not going to generate good shots. And... And they don't have other options. So uh, maybe a disproportionate share of the burden is on him, but that's how it is. So he's got to play the cards he's dealt. And boy, I'm with you on the ultimate bottom line for this team and this tournament. They're going to go as far as AJ takes them. Yep. So hopefully he's locked in. He'll be locked in. I've, I'm confident. I think yeah, so too. I am too. Actually, the one the the best thing you could say about him and this team, and I think we we talked about it in our preview, is they have shown an ability to get off the mat. Like every time this year, you think, "Boy, that's a big blow." I don't know how they're going to respond to that. They respond, so there's reason to think AJ is going to respond. Yep. Yeah, it's it would be scary to think if he plays the way he can he can play if he does an entire season or most of a season like that. What you know how our opinion of him will change could change pretty uh, pretty radically, and maybe it'll start this tournament too, right? I mean, who knows? Before before we go, I, I want to turn that around on you. How would you rank those guys? Yeah, no, it's a. I mean, it's funny because uh, my friend asked me that. I go, that's a good question, and I Denzel, I guess that's an easy one. I went Kalen too. And then maybe because a year, he's got a year in front of him is I'm kind of going Hogard three because he's got a year. AJ's got a year in front of him. And then Appling wasn't really a true point. So he's kind of playing, in my mind, he's kind of playing a little out of position. For sure. But he's better at defense consistently. Hogard can be a force on defense. He just needs to get that consistency. And that's that's what behind the scene, that's what Izzo does with tape and with 
individuals he meets with them all the time so it's 20 he's he's meeting with these folks all the time to get just that level of consistency uh to make sure that switch is always on when the lights are on um and then Neitzel's he's a great guy too we got to know him over the years and like he said that junior year I mean the streak incredible about him willing yeah. that he made it happen I mean, think he he beat Kevin Durant yeah <laughs> yeah it's phenomenal yeah. to think about and Apley without that wrist injury, I mean, we've got a lot of yeah. luck, but there's been some bad luck with yeah. Lucas's Achilles in For the tournament. Sure. Appling doesn't have that wrist injury. That's probably a national title. It's funny because I was watching that game on my phone. I had to give a, a speech in, of all places, Indianapolis. And I was watching that on my phone. We're up eight. And then I had to do all this stuff behind the scenes. And then right before I went on stage, I looked out and saw that we lost. Oh, no. <laughs> like one of my worst speeches ever. I'm like, how did we lose that? What happened? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were asking that question. Sure. <laughs> well, Eric Wellman, uh, also known as Equal Man. If you go to your Twitter handles, at Equal Man, and that's an easy way to find you. Uh, it's so it's so nice to see someone who's been so successful. Would you say you're the most financially successful walk-on ever in Michigan State basketball history? No, because I think Ishbia <laughs> was originally a walk-on. There right. you go. So the Ish Ishy Bucks, the owner of the Suns. Well, I mean, wow, another Spartan that's easy to root for. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, my God, for sure Just on the line. I mean, that's what Izzo would tell you. I mean, he wants to win more than anyone. But look at what he's produced just it's just incredible yeah no i think that's and i think that's why so many people fall in love with the team and him and just the program because they see sort of that it's not just a factory of basketball players to go to the nba or something like that that actually you that you can see the development of, of people players into people and you know good people. And I think that's, that's certainly what people uh, like. So anyway, uh, Eric Coleman, thank you so much for contact and reaching out to us and tell us some stories about, about your time on Michigan state. Uh, and there'll be all kinds of links in, um, in the show notes to get a hold of you and find, to find you, uh, on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, you, you're dynamic, you're all over the place. Obviously you're giving the, the commencement address at Michigan state in May and, um, you know, good luck to you there. And hopefully, We'll have a couple of Spartan victories to celebrate, and who knows? I mean, I'm going to the Final Four. I'd love to be accompanied by a lot of Spartan fans for reasons that Michigan State's there. I mean, who knows? I will be there if they're in, and it's just down the road for me in Houston, and so it'll be great. I mean, I've been to all of them with Coach Izzo, and he is – I mean, it, just another stamp on why he's a great guy. So after they won in Indianapolis, I saw him in the lobby. I'm like, I don't want to bother him. He's, like, busy. <laughs> you, you hadn't slept all night. You could tell that – and he just comes up and hugs me and he's like, we did it. Like we, like I didn't have anything to do with it. But just in his mind, he thinks that everyone's foundational that's helped the program no matter going back to whatever year. And so that's that's what it is all about. It's all about that that family. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on the Final Four is on the schedule. And until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green. Go white. Go white.